podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? As a loyal listener of the show, we'd like to reward you with just that free beer. Uh, thanks to our friends at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash whistleblowers and for just four ninety five in postage, the rest of your beer will be free. What's more, the Whistleblowers listeners get an additional two extra free beers. So doing the mass, that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are essentially craft beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries that you can find. Uh, No surprise that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland and many more, but they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is they they don't hold you to ransom. There's no lock-in you can leave at any time. Uh, You basically order your eight beers, your ten beers in fact, see if you like it, and if so, subscribe. Jump in, jump off. Your first box will be sent to you the next day. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which includes the theme and individual beers you'll receive and a cheeky snack is thrown in. Just go to beer52.com slash whistleblowers. That's beer52.com forward slash whistleblowers to get your first case of 10 beers for free. What we did? Intro. Good to have you back, Mike. <laughs> Keep that in. Um, good to have you back, Mike. You have got a bit of a cold this week. I've got a cold, yeah. I and feel a bit down. Yeah, you can never tell by looking at you, but obviously you are. Yeah. You just always have that demeanour. Um, no, I just feel a bit bunged up, Martin. Bless you. I'm coming down with something as can well. Can you hear it? Yeah. Well, hopefully we haven't infected uh, Harry Salvage, who was on as our guest today. Harry was a good guest, a yeah, good great. egg. Always knows his stuff and uh, always seems to come on. At the wrong time for a certain club, but uh, we'll go yeah. into that later. But also, he brings like an iPad with him, and he's all like prepared. I know, it just puts us to shame. But that's that's fine. You know, that's we won't have him on that's again. That's why though. he's employed, and we're not. That's true. Yeah. That's How, how's the job hunt going, Martin? Uh, it's it's going great, Mark. It's yeah. going great. I, well, I was covering a game at the weekend, uh, doing a bit on the side, BBC down at um, Bristol Rovers, Plymouth Argyle. Yeah, just remembering my football career, but we don't have to go into that. Oh man. The golden days. The golden days. Salad well, days. Yeah, we've got plenty to talk about this week, so let's get cracking. All right. Welcome to The Whistleblowers. I am Mark Smith. I'm here as ever. I say as ever... Not been together for a while, have we? Martin Gritton, though. Hello, Martin. It's been Martin. a while. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for the intro. Uh, good to be back. Nice to be back on the airwaves with you. Yeah, thanks, man. Likewise. It's been an, uh, quite a long time, and a lot has happened. A lot has happened. It seems like it, it happens on purpose, just when we're taking some time off for yeah. some lovely, meaty subjects for people to get into. I think last time, almost immediately, they sacked Poch. Yep. Like, just, just after our last one. Yeah. Not Poch, Poch. Yeah. Uh, more of that sort of entertaining... Dialogue later on. We're joined by Harry Salvage. Harry, 
Thank you very much for bringing me back on. I yeah, am, seems... I'm the voice of Watford Sackings on this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, the unofficial voice of Watford Sackings. Last time it was... Javi Grazia back in, oh, it's going to be September, and now Geeky Sanchez Floor is this time. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into this in, in proper detail, I think. And I think generally... The managerial sack race is absolutely underway. It's been a lot of fun mm. so far. Heads are rolling all over the place, and yet Solskjaer looks like he's going to stay there for a while at least. But Watford, how are you feeling about this one? Um, I think I would be on the same page as every Watford fan of, we love Kike Sanchez-Flores for the first season, but why enough was he brought back? There right. was literally no sense in why he was brought back. Then... I, there's lots of rumours now bubbling up about Javi Glatzia that he was very close to being sacked after the FA Cup final. Not because of losing it, it's the way it was lost. Absolutely. If they lost it 2 3 nil, you could kind of go, okay, fair enough, we'll push that aside. It's Man City, whatever. Yeah. yeah, but to lose it 6 nil, even to Manchester City, to lose it by that much in the Is modern era... Is that the biggest FA Cup final defeat? I think it's the joint right. biggest defeat. I hope it's the joint, I don't want it to be the biggest because okay. that's... More embarrassment. If, you know, if you're going to lose, lose in record lose in, fashion. Lose in style, eh? Yeah. I'm a Derby County <laughs> fan, that's, that's what I've got to say. <laughs> that's why you weren't a professional footballer, right? But, um, but um, no, it just, the, the sacking just, it made total sense. I watched the second half of the Southampton game on telly, and yes, there's a lot of the players to be put at fault for it. But when you're one all, yes, Southampton were on top of the game, you've got Troy Deeney who bleeds Watford. He is literally Watford through and through, even though he's, a, he's from Birmingham. He was, he's literally the pinnacle of Watford. You bring on a right-back who can't play football when you're 1-0, when you need to bring on your talisman, your leader, your striker on, yeah. in, a six, in a relegation six-pointer. And you don't... Yes, it was a great free kick from James Ward-Prowse. It was a stupid mm. challenge from Etienne Capoue. But you're just sitting there going, you've got Troy Deeney on the bench. You bring on Andre Gray, who's not a Premier League striker. You bring on Dimitri Falquier, who's at best a mid-table championship right back. If we can go back a little bit, you said mm. that you can't work out any reason why he was reappointed in the first place. Mm. But what do you think the actual club line on that was? What was the reason he came back? I think a little bit... Is it in... because they're friends with... He's, he's friends with the, the guys upstairs? Well, that's why Zola was appointed in the first place, because they let go Sean Dyche, which... It's, it's kind of a one which we all would have loved him to stay and I think we still if he came back was really appointed as the new manager which I don't think will happen no. um, we would love him to be back but with Kike Sanchez Flores bringing him back he went to Espanol got sacked from Espanol went to China wasn't very successful in China and to me it kind of felt like there's nobody else out there let's just call our best friend and I think it's a little bit like what's happening with Everton and David Moyes being linked with the job again yeah. is they're looking at right when was our best period in the last couple of years halcyon days well, better the that. devil you know it is sometimes mm. and also with as you say with chairmen that know that they can have influence and potentially a manager that left an overnight bag in the mm. uh, kit room because I mean he's he must still have some I don't know some tenants he left on a flat in that place because it, it feels like he's he hasn't been gone long enough but I mean you said it before well I think you mentioned it to us just before uh, we came on air that, uh, about managers that um and Watford's most successful time. How many managers did you have? Or and well, so a... the season Watford got promoted from the Championship, they went through four managers. That's back. that's amazing. So Watford, it's something that's in their history as well. Well, I, th- I think that the difference between that season and this season is that you had a group of motivated players who are ready to push for the for the cause. Obviously, it's a bit different being in the Championship to being in the Premier League because you. 
at that time Watford were expected to be within the top six, top ten, whilst now if Watford hit the top ten of the Premier League, yeah. that's a brilliant season by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, but it, it just well, let's talk. Let's talk about who who could make an impact there now, and who who potentially. Who are the options? Yeah, because, options because by the way, like, like you said, there's, there are clubs that have, have got a high churn of managers, a big turnover of managers mm. who still do well. I mean, Chelsea are a great example of that. That They've always been competitive, apart from the odd season. Yeah, yeah. Even though they've had, had a manager in every eight months or, yeah, or 15 bank months. Bankroll, though. Different clubs. That's no, I understand a, yeah. that. But, but d- despite, despite the difference in what you've got to play with financially, mm. you are still dealing with people and players and managers chopping and changing. The caring club, Chelsea. <laughs> the family club. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I wonder, maybe this is just how Watford are. Maybe this is just the way that they do things with this, with this upper management. Uh, I, I, I don't know what the business model is anymore because the, the old business model was very similar to the old way that Udinese used to work where they brought in a young, talented player like Alexis Sanchez who joined Udinese before he went on to Barcelona. Of course, he's not the player that he once was, but that was when they they really clicked it well. You can look a little bit at Richarlison in that sort of way. You can look at Roberto Pereira as well, brought over from, I think, Rutherplay over in Argentina yep. to Udinese, went to Juventus, won the Champions League there, yep. and now is not the player who we all know he should be at the moment because he's a, very much a confidence player. But this is probably the first time I've seen the part so ownership where they've really got to look at the situation and go right we need a manager who can get us out of this because if we employ the managers we have done before like very appointment with Kika Sanchez Flores we are going to be in the same position which we're going to find ourselves in three months time where it's even more bleaker and staying so up. who is it then so Martin asked a minute ago any names floating around the evening yeah, well, like to pluck out um I think it was I think it was after Kike Sanchez Flores first went, Roger Schmidt, who was at Bayer Leverkusen, yeah, yeah. Uh, was linked with the role. I think he went to China and is now unemployed. Apparently he's turned the role down, which is uh, quite disappointing. But the big names which have been mentioned, your Sam Allardyce's and your Chris Hewton's have been mentioned. But the rest of the list, I've got it right in front of me, looks... Is, is Rafa on that list? He's not. I, I, As a fan, would you take him? Yeah, of, of course. Newcastle fans would take it back in a heartbeat. I think any any club in the yeah. Premier League right now would take Rafael Benitez. Yeah. We look at Arsenal. I mean, uh, mm. it wouldn't be a bad a fit lot for a club at that yeah. level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I know because he wants to leave Dalian Yifang to return to the Premier League. And if he can bring over Solomon Rondon with him, then yeah. we can go, right. You've got a once, once Dini's gone and finished, we've got Sullivan Rondon at least for a few years. What a double like Rondon and Benitez just knocking about together. Yeah, like, like a buddy Bezies. cop film. Yeah. Yeah, except they wear 70s suits. <laughs> and they, they do well on the pitch, sure, but they do even better off it, Martin. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. But look, I've got the list in front of me right now. You've got Mark Hughes, you've got Paul Clement. The way you said Mark Hughes yeah. then was absolutely brutal. It, it, it's depressing. Why not Mark, why not Mark Hughes? <laughs> why? It's, it's, so, it's I'm sorry, did you not Hughes. see him at Southampton? That he no. was a car crash waiting to happen at Southampton. Paul Clement, yes, he's a very good assistant manager. Great coach. But as a manager... Does he, he nearly got Reading relegated from the Championship? Why should we give him yeah, the chance he's, he's to? Didn't last long at Derby either. He's not, and he had, he's had a good run. Clement had, and he's been given the benefit of the doubt a few times. Swansea, few. He's been given mm. the keys to a few yeah. decent cars yeah. and still crashed them. Yeah. So. We, we, which is why when I look at that list of Sam Allardyce and Chris Hewton, if we can get Sam Allardyce until the end of the season, he will look at those players in the dressing room, going, right, this team's good enough to stay up. Are they mentally prepared to stay up though? That answer at the moment is no. Yeah. But I think if Allardyce can really put fear in them going, right, you lot could all get relegated, 
And would any of those Premier League clubs take you if you go down? Probably yeah. Gerard Delefei will go back to AC Milan again. Yeah. Yeah. Roberto Pereira will go because he will refuse to play in the Championship. When you were last on, you were very negative about your chances of staying up, mm. even then. That's, that's what, two, three months ago? Yeah. Four, four months ago. Um, how are you feeling now? I mean, you're only actually... I mean, I say only. Mm. You're six points off safety. You're three points adrift of 19th. But I feel like... I look at your team on paper and your squad on paper, and I feel like you've got some really... Really good players in there. We we have the squad to stay up. And the depth of squad And the as well. depth of squad to stay up. But the mentality and the feeling right now is we're going one way and that's the championship. Yeah. That, I, I, is that the feeling from when you've been to the games, Harry? Yeah. Or just general the discourse gen- between Because the last game folk. went to uh, uh, the Burnley game. The, yes, it was frustrating because I didn't think it was a penalty. But... I'm not, not being biased, but I just didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, think yeah. it was a penalty. But once that third goal went, you looked at the defending as well. James Tarkovsky, who should have been sent off in that game for two yellow cards, is somehow left marked in the penalty area twice. His first shot is blocked, but then the second one goes in. And you're sitting there going, he's a centre-half, yeah. and you're allowing him to shoot yeah. and score. Yeah. And it was some absolute horrendous well, defending well let's use that I, I, let's stay on that theme of defending from corners particularly centre half so I wouldn't mind talking uh, briefly about Liverpool as Absolutely. well if we can move on to that um, lovely segue Martin thank you well it's more a case if I could not believe that Virgil van Dijk is almost unmarked for his first goal that, I mean it winds me up on. so much why, is he squ- why, why do defenders always open your body out open your body out you only have to backtrack 10 yards and then all you have to do is get some nudge on him Virgil van Dijk is is massive, right? So yeah. He's not hard to not pick up. Because you have to put your biggest man on him. Yeah. yeah. So their second goal, brilliant. I mean, like he does everything right. He gets across his front man. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, I can credit him for that. Absolutely. But, but, but we know if you're going to a Liverpool game, your, your first thoughts are right. They play expansive attacking football. We have got to close down the gaps here. Blah, blah, blah. Squeeze up, whatever. Yeah. And that's hard to do because they are so good at it. But the one thing you have more control over is on set pieces. Now you know Trent has got a brilliant delivery. And you know, like you say, Van Dijk is, if not the most powerful centre-back yeah, in the well, air so he, on offensive corners. Commanding. Yeah. He, I would say he's the best centre-half in the world. Right. So why are not... Why, why are you not I picking him up? I, well, the the second break. one, fine. The second one, fine. Okay. I still think you can, you can double up on him because thinking about it, who else in that Liverpool box... The strikers aren't big, big lads. Uh, I mean, Fabinho doesn't tend to go in the box; no. to hang out on the outside. There's none of them. You're Ma- only really looking at maybe Matip and him, yeah, and and if, yeah. or, or Lovren, whoever's playing with those two. Well, I, it just it just alarmed me, it's, and particularly when I know how good Potter. I'm, I'm expecting Potter to react to that and probably have a chat with these players. So I think he is brilliant. I really, yeah, do like and actually, him as they, a they, they put in a really good performance and there they came as well, back brilliantly. And it, they they ask questions. Liverpool, that's the, yeah. they're one of those teams that will always ask questions. They, they don't roll over and die. No. And interestingly, seeing Allison get sent off, I mean. I doubt I'll have much impact, but you never know. If Liverpool's subkeeper, um, so every time we do this, do this podcast, Martin, you always say you still think City are going to come back and win it. Oh, not anymore. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> put Finally. Finally. So Let's put 11, that to bed. Eleven points, but yeah. you know what? I, I don't think they are going to do it. I think Liverpool are going to win it. I said this at the start of the season. Eleven points off. Allison's out. Fabinho's out. They drop. Let's say four but, points over Christmas and Man City clear up the rest of them. A little bit of doubt maybe but, starts to set but in. But then you've got to remember, they've got the uh, Club World Cup right. to contend with. How many points are they going to lose? Are they going to pay their attention on the Club World Cup? Are they going to pay their attention to the Premier League? what I think about this. I think that, generally speaking, they're so much better than anyone in that competition that they can switch off, play their second team and still do well. 
more players, players like your Ian Brewsters. And... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're good players still, don't oh, get me yeah. wrong. But, but I also think that they'll still have to take their first team to the other side of the world. So mm. it's not like, you know, they're just resting up for a few days. It's, it, it, it might take a toll, but this Liverpool side, man... They are just a machine, a yep. perfectly oiled machine, and they are so impressive. Because yep. they're, they're winning lots of games by the odd goal and not playing that well. Then yep. they play a top team like Man City and just absolutely hammer them. Well, the, uh, the interesting comment I had from a, a Liverpool fan was just saying how they're not on the ground, they are on the bench. So in terms of not having any full-backs to cover, not having necessarily oh, people, yeah. and how bad like Gomez looked and uh, uh, well, how he has looked occasionally for I've, them. I've not thought about they're, the they're second string fullbacks. Yeah. I can't even think who they are. No. Or James Milner. Yeah, well, well, yeah, probably the left back because what Moreno left in the summer. Yeah, playing so in the right back. Got, it's Klein in, in yeah, has he gone? Is he injured? So we don't even know. Um, yeah. Even on the super informed I mean. podcast, the whistleblowers, we don't actually know who <laughs> our Liverpool backup fullbacks are. But that's that's one question I'll have to answer. I mean, let's let's have a look at some of the other results after the break, uh, particularly the PR job that Mourinho's doing. It's oh, not, I mean, God never, bless you. you just can't keep a good man down, can you? Um, uh, we've also got some other interesting results this weekend from obviously a little resurgence for Palace, um, Arsenal, maybe uh, Wolves Chef. So uh, let's come after the break. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Okay, welcome back. Let's get stuck straight into that uh, Mourinho PR chat, because I do enjoy it. I love, I love first three months, Jose, <laughs> every job he goes to. Uh, would you take him at Watford? God, yeah. I'll literally yeah. take anybody at the moment who's not on that list of potential replacements. Well, this is what I think about Spurs, is that... You know, Arsenal fans might take the piss a little bit and say they haven't won anything. But you know what? You look at what Poch did in that five years and you go, they're a big enough club now that they can invite Jose Mourinho to be their manager mm. at their new billion-pound stadium. That, that's where we are with Spurs now. And Jose's first, what, two weeks has been there? They've just been so much fun. It's, it's old Jose again. It's Good smiles, point. it's high-fiving ball boys. Yep. It's weirdly high-scoring games. Picking the best 11 players and what, attacking teams. What a mad idea. Incredible. But uh, this is what happens. When, when he has a good squad of players, he gets results. He did it at Chelsea last time. United, you've got to look at United and think, well, they weren't that good. And that's, we we yep. sort of knew that. And he spent a lot of money badly. But yep. if Jose, if this Jose's back for good, I'm more than happy because he is such good value for this league. And he's enjoyable. Sissoko scoring from midfield. I mean, it's beautiful. It's be- and Deli Ali, I mean, the, the, the you know, villain turned hero again. I, th- I think he was a, kind of a bit of a divisive, poisonous character but, uh, for the media and also perhaps from the dressing room because the, there's been a lot of this un- unrest in that dressing room between individual players, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Harry, what do you make of Spurs, the, their start under Jose? It's, it's been incredible. Yes, they had that little bit of the slip-up against Olympiacos, but I think at times when a new manager does come in, 
you can show the character they have on that football team when they go behind in a game. I'm going to bring this into Torquay because it's the best example I can know of yep. outside Jose Mourinho. So when Gary oh, Johnson- by the way, Harry, um, if you didn't know, Harry is a regular broadcaster and commentator with BBC Devon, but also a few other BBC regionals, aren't you? So, Harry, yeah, yeah. So, so you cover a lot of Torquay. So I do a lot of Torquay. To qualify that. And when um, it was one of the first few games under Gary Johnson, because Gary Johnson, just give back about that story, Torquay were mid-table, National League South, the lowest the club's ever been. Gary yep. Johnson comes in, they go and storm the leagues, beat teams by six, seven goals yep. nearly every every week. And one of his first games at home, after half an hour, he takes two other players off, 2-0 down, who are not really performing. Um, a few words were said by one other player who never played for the club again, and one other player came back, became a half-decent player who's now a good squad player. They went on to draw that game 2-2, and it seemed like a big pinnacle turning point of the season for Torquay, which led to that league title. I'm not going to say Tottenham are going to go and win the league now, but... The character that Jose Mourinho who used to go off and go, right, this team's 2-0 down, right, need yeah. to put in these wise words now. And, shock tactics, and, almost. Shock ta- yeah. yeah, exactly. Put a bit of the backbone in them, which Watford need at the moment, and turn it around. They went off and beat Olympiacos. You look at the uh, Bournemouth game as, as well. There's at times they could have slipped away. I, I think the issue, issue they have as well is they go 3-0 up, then they win the game 3-2. It's just yeah. trying to... But that's just working off a progress. But it's... It's what Mourinho is changing. It's now Tottenham are going at these games because I never bring it back to when I saw Watford play Tottenham. Watford, Tottenham looked scared yeah. against a team who who couldn't score away from home. He had to, he had to alone win away from home. So he's, he's now bringing that backbone back into Tottenham. And, and they're six points off Chelsea. They've got to play them twice this season. And you know that that's going to have a fun Jose storyline in it. Massive, especially with Chelsea at the minute. I mean, we can come on to them straight away. I just want to say one more thing on that sort of Mourinho. There's nothing weirder than when you're playing regularly in a team that's doing okay. I mean, if you're playing in that Spurs team, then you get a new manager that comes in and you don't know where you stand with him. And a few of the people in the Spurs dressing room are, are in that situation. Yeah. I used to be like, oh, for God's sake. Like, I've got to, you've got to impress someone. It doesn't matter what you've done before, mm. unless you're doing it for that manager. So you have a whole different dynamic to training. Everyone's either kicking lumps out of each other or everyone's playing properly, preparing properly yeah. and the whole mindset changes and it, and it feels like Tottenham have got to that point. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's certainly something that, that works at lower level. I mean, Deli Ali, as a point you made a minute ago, he has, he's become Deli Ali three years ago again, oh, almost yeah. overnight. I mean, I'd, I'd now say that he had slipped out of what I would be picking for my England squad in the Euros um, because I think we've got, for the first time in my lifetime, an abundance of potential number 10s. Mm. You look at him, you're looking at Madison, you're looking at Mount, potentially next season onwards you look at Phil Foden. Yep. That is a, that's a real talent pool that we've got and there. I, yeah, and the envy, the envy mm. of many European countries. But, but if Ali continues like this for the rest of the season, there's no yep. way he can be left out and, of that And Deli Ali is definitely one of those players who you would love in your team and you hate when you play him. Absolutely. Because yep. especially as a Watford fan, I hate seeing Deli Ali play because I know he's going to do something. He's going to do something. Uh, Grealish as well, I thought I mentioned him, because he was, he, he was brilliant oh, against United and, and he wasn't player. even in that list of, yep. of number 10s there. So there's a, yep. there's, it's good for England, it's good for Spurs all round pretty positive let me come back on to the, the Chelsea games then because Chelsea interesting one lost 1-0 to West Ham at the weekend oh but what and a lovely lovely story lovely moment what a lovely moment at 33 as well because you, you look at that yeah. and think is he just coming through is he you know just had a hard paper round because he plays for West Ham so he could look 40 it looks, like, looks, like a, looks like a policeman well yeah I mean I don't whatever uh, <laughs> <laughs> you look at a picture. Alright, alright. Okay, looks like a policeman. Let's just move on. Um, 
I'm more interested in his performance in no, goal. No, I'm not. Get the cuffs on him. Cuff him to the post. Anyone say anything? What do you make of Lampard's predicament at the minute? Then, because maybe run out of a little bit of steam. Maybe just is it is it personnel? They've had a few massive games in Europe. Is it, is it getting to that point of the season where they, they might have a little blip? Uh, I, but you, you got to look at how many young players been brought through from Chelsea. No disrespect to Derby County, whatsever, but playing for Derby County and playing to Chelsea, Mark, yeah. there's, there's, you've got two different types of pressure on you. At Chelsea, you have got to play at least an eight or a nine out of ten every single week. Because you look at your players like your Mason Mounts, your Hudson Adoys, who are those creative players who are going to change the game. Whilst within the championship, when you're where you could go off and play a team who are really struggling for confidence and they could play a 5 or 6 out of a 10 type game and still score two goals and they can take their foot off the gas a little bit. With Chelsea, the gas has got to be fully down if it's they can try point. and get a result in the Premier League. Uh, and these young players have got to learn that you can't const- you've got to constantly be playing 8, 9, 10 well, rated well, games. It's a good point, Harry. Yeah, yeah I, it is. I, I completely agree I totally with you. agree. Um, I, I think it's, it's different because the championship is more of a grind that you're playing twice a week all mm. season. Um, and also when they're at Derby or any other championship club, they're an unknown quantity entirely, and it's just sort of, it's their first taste of first-team football, and not as much as expected of them. You go to Chelsea, again, unknown quantity at that level, but the pressure's on straight away. So I I I totally get that. Um, Chelsea's result on Saturday... Yeah, not good, but I don't think there's been much of a blip, really. I think no. Well, this is. A, I'm just asking whether that one nil is, and I don't. I don't think it is either. I think, but just the way that West Ham have been playing, a bit of a surprise to see them that's come what, out. That's why football's perfect. Yeah, because mm. because you, you, everyone's accumulated got bust on that one. It did. Everyone thought Chelsea at home to West Ham is is a gimme, even for a, a pretty hostile derby. You thought I'm safe in this bet. Chelsea are going to win this game at home, and then what happens? Yep. Brilliant. Well, we've got, uh, listen, we've got a whole night of fixtures tonight and tomorrow, a whole Premier League roster. Uh, so I don't really want to dwell too much on Norwich uh, drawing 2 now with Arsenal, or 2 each with Arsenal, I should say, because there's decisions to be made at Arsenal. We discussed yeah. it at we great length on the pod. For a, yeah, for a I while. Think, I think things are very much in transition there. Um, it's, it's a kind of hearts and minds job with the fans as much as anything at the minute. Definitely. And if they can get them back on side, it might help them. Um, we saw Wolves draw one each with Sheffield United. Um, it's been a couple of weeks since we've obviously been on the pod, Mark, but Sheffield United, Chris oh, Wilder, it's, there's every season someone, so yeah, someone turns up that just, they just get things right and things click for them. Can they I, sustain this though? Because I said in probably early October that I thought they were the best team that's come up, but they won't be able to sustain it. Their mm. squad's not big enough. Yeah. Well, I don't know anymore because they <laughs> seem to be such a, such a, a powerful team and so sturdy and resilient. Mm. They've got so much fortitude about them. I wonder if they can just power through the season. Well, this, the thing I love most about Chris Wilder is last year I went up there with Barnet in the FA Cup and they lost to Barnet. And Chris Wilder, no word of a lie, completely destroyed every single one of those players who played that game's confidence. He said, you weren't good enough, you were yeah. pathetic against the National League club. Right. And he will say it as he is. Mm. Which as a manager, you kind of want them to say it as it is. And mm. if he says he played well, he'll say he played well. If he played dreadfully, he will go out you know to the public and you know where you stand with him yeah. and that's the difference you don't see it with much Premier League ref- uh, managers and they'll just say oh he's just a bit low in confidence at the moment no Chris Wilder would just go no he was well, dreadful today and there's, a, just say it as it there's is. a shade of the Warnock about him in that 
that mm. in that regard because he's got this kind of demeanor. I, I, like I know him from my playing days in the lower leagues, and he's never really changed. But what he has done at, at Sheffield United, he's built a squad that's a tight unit, and they've kind of they must just look at each other and go, "We've we're in the Premier League. Let's not yeah. let's not cock this up. Let's do the, the do the best we can. Nothing's expected of us, but they're delivering." Especially, I, I was I was listening to an, uh, another podcast on the way in. Um, they were saying what? if you look at, if you betraying <laughs> us. Huh? Um, actually, I think it was on on the, this podcast last week. Actually, you That's look at, you yeah, look at yeah. you, good, good. You, you look at <laughs> you, you look at that Sheffield United side, and you wouldn't say a single player. Maybe Dean Henderson. You probably would look at that team, and you go, "There's not one player who you would think would be a starting eleven player in, in another Premier League side yeah. because they work so well together." That's why you're noticing you like of your John Flex, your John Lundstroms, a little bit of your. But it's the, same argument, it's the same argument as Liverpool midfield, where there's. There's good players, really good players, but they're not getting into Man City's team if you look at just personnel. But it's the unit that mm. works. Yeah. It's the same with Sheffield United. All banks of them, they're just so well drilled. They know what they're doing. They know how they work as a team. And they are good footballers. And this gets overlooked. They are very, very good footballers. They're yep. not just big lads who, who have lots of passion. Well, uh, this, time, <laughs> this time, big lads from Sheffield, the Steel City, right, yeah. you know? Um, let's say next week we'll have probably have you seen two when Saturday comes, by the way? I have seen it. Sean, have you seen it, Harry? The, Sean Bean. That's the, what, the Sean Bean film. That's what my career was no. based on. <laughs> it's, a, it's a film from, like, what was it, 95? Watch it. It's hilarious. It's a football film. It's, it's Sean Bean playing uh, just a local lad from Sheffield. He must be about 40 at the time. But yeah. anyway, he, uh, he, he becomes a footballer for Sheffield United, for Blades. 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 And it's really great, I think. It- <laughs> He misses his trial because he's, uh, he's late because he was uh, banging a stripper. <laughs> Taylor's old as time. Um, so after next weekend, we'll have had two rounds of fixtures. Uh, so hey, wait, you know, why are you watching them? Well, this is this is the point. Tonight and tomorrow, we've got a, a glut of Amazon fixtures. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, it's interesting, it. isn't it? I, yeah. I wonder what the format's going to be and kind of who they're going to have to come in and do it. But also, I mean, we were talking about how it shifted the timings mm. of the, the TV. They've just gone, no, Boxing we want that one. in particular, yeah, where, yeah. They, where they've got four games on, I think. But like, is it, is it, what is it, like a 12-hour yeah. long it's, so, it's something like 11.30, then oh, Christmas trees, 5.30 and 8. The Christmas mm. treat for all the girlfriends and wives out there. Absolutely. But you know what? I think, I think that we've talked about this off-air before, Grits, but I don't understand why the Premier League doesn't cut Sky out and instead do a NFL Game Pass style app. And you say 150 quid for the year or 100 quid just to watch your team's games and you can watch everything. You can have blackouts if it's not sold out and you're within a certain radius. Picture. Picture. This is why I reckon the Premier League chairman keeps quitting. But then, at the end of the day, how much money are Sky offering for for covering those games? But I think you can make more from cutting out Sky. Yeah, I, I, I agree that you will probably, if you lower the cost of it, Plus you'll you have plenty worldwide. of more people, and make it worldwide as well, because obviously I think Sky only broadcasts within the United Kingdom, or the Sky of that country only yeah, broadcasts right. yeah, in yeah, that yeah. country. So if you make it a worldwide thing, you'll, because the Premier League is a worldwide phenomenon, Absolutely, they will want, you'll have um, people in Malaysia watching Absolutely. the game, you'll have people in Paraguay watching It's completely watching global, the game, and, if, and if you can watch it on any, any device, I mean, it's, I don't know, but it feels like this Amazon thing, we're going to wait and see how it goes. Because one, asp- one, one interesting aspect of it is how much will the lag determine how far behind you are in the game? Yep. Because it's what, what's, what's nice about when you watch the World Cup, for example, if you're in your flat and you can hear people around you... Yeah, that's weird. ...shouting at the same time, you know, and the goal goes in. Wow, wow, it's not watching it on illegal streams then, Mark. Just I'm not watching it on ITV, it was, actually. Okay. My example, well, because it's annoying, because I have it on um, my app. I've got... 
Twitter and I've got uh, um, other applications that I know. <laughs> Someone's doing well. I know, I'm manual. Um, I've got these all different applications and normally whenever I watch a Bundesliga game, I normally have it on BT Sport on my iPad right. and then I get the notification that Hertha Berlin conceded a goal and I'm right. going, great, I know what's going to happen Waste in the first time. second's time. Yeah. Which makes me angry because I'm going, yep. well, that's rude. So what, is, what you're saying is, well, that was a good point, Mark, is what you're that saying. That is a good point, Mark, and well added to Harry. Um, gents, uh, I think that'll wrap us up this week. It's great to have you back, Mark. Um, yeah, Harry, wonderful to, to back. have you back on as ever. Hopefully next time we'll get you in before the next Watford sacking. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? It's who knows? America round of sackings. What are you up to at the minute? Are you doing anything? Have you got any football matches coming up? I know um, you're covering something I am, today. I'm at Reading Women this weekend oh, once okay. again, uh, where they are supporting Stonewall, uh, which of course is becoming a bit more prominent at the moment because in, in the women's game, the LGBTQ community is yeah. very much alive within it yep. you look at Farrah Williams What's uh, Stonewall is a charity to help LGBTQ people um, the community em- embrace themselves in, the, in sport because okay. in sport especially within the men's game the LGBTQ community is very much not out there yep. it's very much you only hear footballers normally come out gay after their careers like yeah, the Thomas burgers. whilst in the women's game there are so many high-profile footballers who are out, who are yeah. gay and lesbian. Yep. And it's a very welcoming, accepting community. But we just need to push out towards the men's game, saying if there is a gay footballer, which there may be some. Yep. I don't know if there, there must are be. any. Yeah, there, must, there, there must be. It's a safe... It's a safe community to come out to, and hopefully that the rest of the people, the rest of the f- yep. football fans understand... That they will, that there are going to be footballers who are going to be gay, and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a very noble uh, thing to support, and glad to see it's, it's been championed in the women's game. And as you said, I hope hopefully those things will be coming into the men's game in the coming years. But um, Mark, what are you up to at the minute? You've got a cold. Never you mind, mate. Just being big a great things. dad. Big things happening. Big thing. You watch this space. Oh, I'm always watching. No, I'm always nothing, watching. Nothing happening space. at all. Just same old, same old. <laughs> Uh, waiting for death, really. Well, <laughs> ticking off the days. Well, don't just don't die just yet because okay. there's more whistle. Darby might next be promoted in that time. <laughs> We're going to be fine, mate. You watch. Right, that's enough of that. All right, <laughs> cheers. Thanks, everyone. Bye. This is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.